Hi, and welcome to Rescuing Churches. If you love pastoral life, ministry, and church revitalization, this is a great place to join the discussion about why the local church matters, how we can help the ones that are in decline, and be an encouragement to their pastors along the way. We'll even get to hear stories from special guests about what God is doing in the church at large. This show is hosted by two guys who serve the local church and is for everyone within the local church. Thanks for tuning in today. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Rescuing Churches, where it's always a great adventure discussing church revitalization and pastoral life. Learn more at 614ministries.org. Church revitalization. Church revitalization. And? And pastoral life. Pastoral life. Josh Givens here, along with my dad, Stan. And dad, today you want to take a look at how the church responds and is responding to the fallen world. I'm assuming you mean our fallen culture, our society. Sure. So before we even get into this, let's establish for all of our listeners, what do you actually mean by the fallen world? Well, it's one of those good things for a church to evaluate uh, for leadership in the church, the pastor, to kind of keep aware of how his people respond to the culture around him that is fallen, that is broken, the culture that is laced with, filled with sin. Right. Um, so we're talking... Sin cursed world post Garden of Eden. Yeah, that's the world that we all live in. Pretty right, much the one I live right in now. Yeah. I, I mean, can't find that other one yet. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but but again, your 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 church people live in an environment where whether it's you know the local news they're watching or you know just just sitting at the gas station trying to pump your gas when somebody's got music blaring next to you with the f bomb going off and. Because you know, that never happens. Yeah, blank this and blank that. Yeah, and, never you know, happens. and then there's three people walking across the parking lot that are not dressed like they should be at all. Right. You know, um, you can get your, your, you know, you can get very cynical about all that as a church. You can actually get very frustrated with it. And what's happened in my past, maybe even when I was growing up, the church would huddle together to talk bad about those people. Right. Because we're the good people. Or even the, be scared of them. We're the good people. Yeah. They're the bad people. Yep, exactly. And maybe that's more about what our silent partner was talking about earlier. That's a reaction exactly. to the culture rather than responding to the culture. And I think the the shepherd of a church has to keep his pulse on how the church is interpreting and treating or thinking about responding or reacting to mm-hmm. the sin-cursed uh, culture we live in. You know, well, if, and, you, and, if, and and you definitely don't want to again to our <clears throat> silent partner's point as a as a pastor as a shepherd you don't want to be reactionary. No, you don't want that trait to be on you as a shepherd. If you're reactionary to the culture and you do something flippantly or you react flippantly to the culture without thinking about it, right? You just you're in huge trouble. Yeah, yeah. huge. huge trouble. Right? You'll create a big mess. <laughs> right. Kind of like yeah, kind of like your other podcast about saying the wrong thing on Facebook. Yep. So, exactly. All bad. All yep. social media problem. But at the same time, the homeless people in your community, you know, when they drive by them, d- does your church people feel a sense of what can we do for them? Or is it like, 
how in the world can we let those people be in our neighborhoods? Right. You know what I'm saying? Yep, exactly. There's two different responses. And we're talking about the people that Christ literally came to this earth to die for. That was his response. Exactly. So, I mean, you know. And, and he's, he embraced the fallen, the yep. downcast, the sinner, to the point that he says, hey, at the great judgment, I'm going to say, thanks for taking care of the homeless, the people in prison. The people that know, were sick. The riffraff. Oh, yeah. yeah. All, all those people. You took care of all of those people and you clothed the naked. Mm -hmm. That's how you demonstrated my love into this community exactly. and that you love me. And yep. so Jesus hung out with if your people. church is struggling with that, if you're, if you don't want to be around those kind of people, you know, I, I had a, a friend of mine tell me recently because I work at some of the rehabs that he would not be able to take somebody he's working with three hours as a disciple and bring them to his church. He said, they just wouldn't fit in at my church. And I said, why in the world is that you're right. discipling him in the, he's growing like crazy in the faith. You know, and this guy's rehab and, you know, all tattooed up and been, been through a hard life, but he's like, uh, our people would just judge him harshly and think he's dangerous and unsafe. And I was like, your church people would think that? Yep. And he's like, yep. <laughs> so he's like, I know it's not a healthy scene, but that's where we are, mm -hmm. and we need to change that. Right. But I can tell you that the guy I'm discipling can't come to me. He's going to have to find another church. And wow. so it just breaks your heart. But again, it makes you ask yourself, how is my church, as a pastor, how does my church respond to, react to, you know, if you see some the people at, you know, your local gas station, Walmart, you know, Circle K, whatever. Uh, when you see the just common people there right. you know, doing their common everyday life, you know, is there a judgmental nature nature to how you're viewing that? Or is there a sensitivity to, I wonder if they know Christ. I wonder if they're from a broken family. I wonder if they have a need. Right. So exactly. That, exactly. That's what I'm kind of driving at with and all in, this. And in spiritual terminology, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but just looking at some of what you've written out in some of your notes here, we're we're not just we're not only talking about people who are needy or coming from broken homes or things of that nature. In spiritual terminology, we're also referring to the lost, those who don't know Christ as their Savior. Sure. That's part of the the fallen world. So people that don't have a personal relationship with him. Well, yeah, it could be the guy in the, you know. Mercedes coupe <laughs> filling up with next to you, you know, blaring his tunes and, you know, wearing his suit that costs more than my whole car, you know, same kind of deal. Am I judging him or am I concerned about his spiritual journey? You right. Know? Am, am I going to shun him or am I going to love him? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm wondering where is he going to spend right, eternity? Right. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Do, do I care about the eternity of those around me? That's yeah. loving my neighbor kind exactly. of thing. Yeah, and you've got a series of, of really challenging questions and a couple of points here that I think we as the church, the local church, capital C, as we as believers should be asking ourselves. And so we can kind of go through this list here. And I think they're very um, introspective in nature. So this is kind of a time for if, if you're listening to this, if you're a believer, if you're a church, if you're a pastor, this is some very introspective reflection right. <laughs> that I think is really critical and you've hit the nail on the head with, with all of these. Um, well, and I would tell you after the years of being in ministry, you have to go back through these every, every so often. You just sure, have to, sure. Yeah. You have yeah. to evaluate. And, and I, and I would say w whether you're a church that thinks you're knocking it out of the park evangelistically, if that's a word, yeah. uh, or whether you are struggling in that area, these will help you. Um, so, so don't think, don't think that just because you're, 
doing fantastic, you don't need to have a little bit of self-reflection right. as a church. That's good, good and healthy for all of us. So the first one in your list here is, do your people want to serve or shun the lost? And obviously there's a huge difference in those two actions. So what do you mean by that? Well, it, it's it, when I see the homeless begging on the corner, you know, three traffic lights from my church or a block and a half or a mile and a half or three miles from my church. I know that's where some homeless people stand and wait for the traffic to stop to hold their, you know, sign up. Um, am I disturbed by that? Am I shunning that? Or am I trying to figure out that's that's a homeless person right here in my neighborhood. Yep. What can I do for that? And you go, well, if I give money, he's just going to use the spend on whatever. Fine. Figure something else out. Take right. him, take him out to eat. Get the church to agree that we're going to go down there and check on them and yep. see what they need. Does and your provide, church have a food pantry? Provide yeah. for them. Ask him, can you help me find a job? I'm just saying exactly. the church can either shun that person and treat them the church member, not the church as a whole. I'm saying sure. individuals. Sure. So you're right. It's it's very reflective individually. Right. But you as a pastor as well have to have that, you know, man, that guy's going to make our But if you're a believer, you're, you that are. That guy's going to make my neighborhood look really bad. I wish he wouldn't beg right there. And to <laughs> your point, if you're a believer, you are a part of the church. Correct. The, the, the church, capital C, and you're probably part of a local church. Correct. So if you're out doing this in your community, you still are representing the bride of Christ. I mean, Jesus died for these people, for and for the church. So yeah. you're representative of all that at the end of the day, either way. <laughs> yeah, and I, I would imagine Jesus would walk right into the middle of that Absolutely. group of homeless people that are, you know, pan, Absolutely. panhandling on a corner of a street and say, hey, uh, let's take a break and get out of the sun for a minute. Let's just chat. Yep, right? sure. I just want to love on you guys. Exactly. So. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, again, shunning the lost, I mean, you can just mess things up for your church really bad by, by going that route. So mm. always serve. Um, the second thing in your list here is, does your church huddle together and speak badly of the lost? So is this like gossip and bad mouthing, slander, sure. stuff like that? Sure. And, and, you know, there's seasons in a church where these kind of things will happen. If... You know, if there was a like a riot in town that tore up some buildings or, you know, some of the people in town that are very lost, you know, went on a shooting spree or whatever. Right. Christians can get together and huddle together and make it all about very bad people and we're very good people, you know, and you start when you start down that path. You get in trouble. Bible says we're all sinners at the foot of the cross. The foot of the cross is perfectly level. Right. There's no worse sinner than you, and there's no better sinner than you. We're all level, and so I say it's a good temperature marker or a good test, if you want to say it that way, um, indicator. Yeah. Uh, among your church, if your people huddle together a lot and talk about, ooh, very bad that. Terrible world out there. I'm so glad yeah. we're at church today. Yeah, staying away. Yeah, we're staying safe. away from we're the safe. bad world. Yeah, we're, we're safe, safe here now. So, um, <laughs> but, well, and there's plenty of, and, and I'll just make a note of this here because I, I thought about it. Was there, there's plenty of scripture references against what you're talking about? Sure. Obviously, First Peter two tells us to put away all slander. I think you actually referenced yep. that in your sermon this morning, and Matthew twelve where Jesus talks about how on the day of judgment, we'll have to all give an account of our careless words that one translation mm-hmm. says careless words. Yes. Um, and I, I say, let's just learn from Jesus example. I mean, he went to where the lost people were. He ministered to them, you know, and 
you know, just follow that example. And just so we're clear, it may not be them talking just about some bunch of people on a shooting spree. They literally could be talking about a group of politicians that they don't agree with. Right. They stand in a circle. Exactly. And talk about them really slanderously. Yep. And again, instead of loving the lost, we're slandering the lost. Exactly. And there's a lot of things that politicians do that I don't like on any side of any coin. Exactly. But slandering them and talking negatively about them in really non-Christ-like terms is not the way to handle that. It's really not. It's really not. And it, and it does nothing for the name of Christ, nothing for the name of the local church. Number three, do they fear the lost and the broken? And I think this is really important to differentiate between it's good that you separated this out from huddling together and separated it out to elaborate more on actually fearing the lost. So if we're afraid of the lost, we'll never actually be able to minister to them in the way that we're called to do because lost and broken people need the hope of the gospel and the church is meant to bring that to them. Yeah. And, and so senior citizens to me in my years of doing this have been probably the most prominent people that do this. They're afraid of lost people because they don't have the Christian values. They're afraid they're going to rob them or hurt them or, you know, we can't just let anybody in the church. I'm like, yeah, actually, actually we're supposed to let anybody in the church. (laughs) And we've been, we've had our, we've had stuff stolen from our church by people that came to attend our church. So I totally understand the problem there. I just know that we can't, we we can't become so afraid of lost (laughs) and broken people that we don't, Find a way to show love to them. That's right. Might mean we need to buy a few more locks and have somebody walk around the building, make sure the right doors are and locked. Replace the, the right, air conditioning units. And replace all that them every stuff. time they get stolen. So, <laughs> but they need the hope of the gospel. So you can't be afraid of them. That's right. Um, you actually need to find ways to minister to them. That's exactly right. Number four, do they grieve and weep for the loss? And you have a reference here of Psalm one nineteen one thirty six, and this is great. Be, that you reference the Psalms here because together you and I right now at our midweek study here at Northside Bible Church, um, where you're the lead pastor, we're co-teaching a series together on David. And we're going to be discussing this idea of how David was a man after God's own heart. And, you know, you hear that phrase about David all the time. But, you know, when we when we come back together on this, this coming Wednesday to wrap that first part of that study out, we're going to be asking what does it really mean to be a man or a woman after God's own heart? And I love the way that we're going to dialogue some of that out because it, it's a, it's, it really means that your life is so in harmony with God that the things that weigh on God's heart also weigh on yours. That's what, that's what, that's what it was for David. The things that burdened God burdened him. And if God is burdened for the lost souls of this world, we should be asking ourselves, does that burden me? Exactly. And David says in that psalm, my eyes stream tears mm-hmm. for yep. the people who will not keep your law. Mm-hmm. He's like, it breaks my heart when people do not obey God. Just wow. breaks my heart. And that wow. that should be us. We should We should have a brokenness about it. It should cause us to mourn and weep That's right. that lost people continue to ignore God, to blaspheme God. Right. Um, all that's very, very dangerous right. uh, for their soul. And we need to care about their soul. Just like you were saying, Christ loved their soul enough to come down to earth, pay an incredible physical, emotional, spiritual price that's right. to cover their sins. And, and in his example, we should be willing to at least 
put our heart into that and grieve it. That's uh, right. Grieve for the loss at, at, for what he did. That's right. If he's burdened for it, how could we not be? Mm-hmm. And if we know that truth ourselves, how could we not share it with them? Number five, do they seek to understand and reach out to the lost? So if we're not reaching, if we as believers are not reaching the lost and, and individually or as a church together as a gathered body of believers, then we're really just missing the mark. I mean, Jesus calls us to go and make disciples. Right. right. And, and probably in my early ministry years, this was a larger weakness. I'm still thinking it's some sort of weakness for me as an introvert. I don't like to meet sure, strangers sure. anyway, and a strange stranger might sure. even be harder to meet. Right. <laughs> um, so, and, and being in, in the, you know, been saved since I was a kid, been in church forever, yep. being around people that at least have a, a semblance of Christian faith and a model of it. And their language isn't rough. They're, you know, their actions are a little more Christ-like. That's a comfort zone for me. Outside of that, you have that non-comfort zone of, hey, yep. this this guy's going to say like seven swear words, at least until he figures out I'm a pastor, and then he's going to apologize exactly. to me like I'm the one, he, like I'm the one he cursed against. Exactly. Really not cursed against me, so you don't apologize yeah, to me. I've been with you on a few of those. There is there's a creator you might want to apologize to. Yep. Um, Tell him you're sorry. Right. You might want to think about apologizing to him. But what I've learned is it's really important that I get outside of my comfort zone to help those oh, lost yeah. people and that, that I seek to understand people that are, were raised different from me that think different than me. And, and I just need to get over myself sometimes to do that. That's true. And that's such a good point because really, and again, going back to the, the church as a whole, I think that, you know, and, and what you just said is so true of so many individual believers, like it was for for you, for you and the church as a whole, I think, in today's Christian culture, a lot of longtime saints don't even want to bother to try to understand that culture. They don't right. want to bother no. to try to un- understand the unchurched people or the unsafe people. They just write them off because it's easier to do what you mentioned in the previous point, which is just to stay in that little holy huddle. Right. And kind I'm of safe there. Yeah, I'm safe, I'm here. safe there. But I don't have to worry about understanding. But Jesus commands <laughs> me, commands all of us to go into the world. That's right. And preach the gospel. Yep. He says you'll be hated by the world. That's so exactly right. I'm not even going with the the sense that, hey, I'm just going to charm everybody into liking me. Nope. I'm going to go out there and some people are going to hate me, but I still have to go. I still have to get out of my comfort zone and figure out a way to love lost people that are far from God and far different than me and see what we can do to win them back. That's exactly right. We're, We're definitely called to do that. Number six, falling away at the end times. So you're you're talking here about how the brokenness of the world is going to get worse in the latter days. It's the fulfillment of prophecy that that's going to happen. And obviously, I mean, you know, I kind of think we're already seeing this play out in some respects. Um, you know, a lot of prominent Christian leaders have fallen away in the past. You right. know, that hits the headlines all the time. We could sit here and name those all day long, probably. But even in the local church level, it happens. People are abandoning their commitment to church. You know, obviously, even I mean, even just COVID had an mm-hmm, effect on mm-hmm. some people that were longtime churchgoers and dedicated to church. You know, I mean, we hear stories all the time from other ministers and pastors, right. you know, so. Right. And, you know, we, we sit here and we think, oh, well, gosh, that's so surprising. Really? You're yeah. you're you're you know, your pastor or your deacon of 20 something years just isn't coming to church anymore. But the Bible says the Bible is very, clear, days, very, very clear that people are going to walk away. Exactly. The Bible is very clear that. Uh, sinners are going to be sinners that that men are going to reject God, follow him for a time period yep. and then reject him. Yep. Um, 
seem to be following him. They're going to have a, uh, Romans 10 says they're going to have a form of godliness that's not the right one. Exactly. Um, the Pharisees were great examples of that. So what we have to realize is the fallen world is was fallen from Genesis chapter 3. We were born into it. Yep. It's still fallen. It's going to stay fallen up until Jesus comes to get us. That's right. There is evidence in the scripture that it's going to ramp up at some point. Yep. And you can decide whether you think it's ramping up or not. Either way, it's bad. Yep. <laughs> and you just got to get used to that. Let's exactly just acknowledge right. that fallen people are going to be fallen people. The brokenness of who we are as original creation to glorify God is gone. Yep. And now to get back to that, only the cross can help us. We That's have right. to go back through the cross. The world's going to get worse unless we can get more people to the cross. That's exactly So right. let's make it a goal as our church to get more people to the cross. How about that? That would be easy. <laughs> yeah. And then number seven, lastly on your list here, is that millennials. Ooh, millennials. Ooh. That, that crazy group of people. Crazy group of people that you're in. Yeah. Kind of. Millennials are very sensitive to church vibes. Oh, millennials are just very sensitive. Let's just just, stop right there. They're just very sensitive. Okay. Now I've offended all the millennials because they're very sensitive. Yeah, because they're overly sensitive. But they're (laughs) sensitive to church vibes, apparently. And as a millennial, I will agree here that we can smell this stuff a mile away. I've mentioned it in some of my blogs. We've talked about it on the podcast. If your church is arrogant, phony, critical, inauthentic, we will move on and go find a pastor, a shepherd, a church, a group of believers, or whatever that we believe is genuine and authentic. Right. Because that's yeah. what we're looking for. Yeah. And just as a note to our pastors uh, and church leaders that are listening, all of these things we're talking about not being judgmental of the fallen world, millennials pick up on that instantly. Oh, yeah. Uh, millennials were raised in a tolerance society where nobody's supposed to talk bad about anybody. So, um, so they're just ultra, ultra sensitive to it, but it's a good sensitivity in one sense because it makes us have to pay attention to our dialogue, pay attention to how we are talking and thinking about the lost. And I think, uh, a young millennial is probably looking for people that would love people different than them. Very much love people that are very much, um, far from God and a Christian millennial especially wants to see people doing that right. Yeah. And they're also looking for the, the Christian millennials especially are also looking for um, like, like I said, is that going to go the authenticity and they're looking for relationships, a place where they can plug in, where they can engage. We've seen this play out in our own church here. They're looking for where a place where the leadership is the same way during the week that they are on Sunday uh, and Wednesday. That's really critical. So that goes back to the authenticity thing. If your pastor is great and awesome on Sunday and Wednesday, but he's fake and nowhere to be found during the week. <laughs> right, during right. the week, yeah. your millennials are. Eh. Gonna, yeah, that, that ain't gonna. That ain't gonna fly with. Nah, me feel he's, good. He's yeah. looking for authenticity. He's looking for the genuine relationship, the connection, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, um, which means as a pastor, important. yeah. Last note of our current podcast, but which means as a pastor, you have to be genuine yourself. You Absolutely. know, if you if you're teaching on the love of Christ, go out and love people with the love of Christ. Yep. Cross over some uncomfortable boundaries, get to know some people, visit some people in jail, visit rehabs, go by the juvenile delinquency center and meet some kids and at least try to dialogue with them and say, hey, how can I pray for you? That's What's right. going on? And it's I mean, not just your millennials that'll take note of that. Your church will take note of that. Sure. That's, that's sure. Exactly right. Really great. Point. Love some homeless people. Yep. Exactly. 
All right, guys, that's going to do it for us today. Be sure to check out the details of our upcoming pastors conference by visiting the Shepherd Summit tab on our website at 614ministries.org. I'm Josh, that's Stan, silent partner Mike. Thanks for listening today. We'll catch you guys next time. You've been listening to Rescuing Churches, a discussion for the local church and its leaders. This show is brought to you by 614 Ministries. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at 614Rebuild and visit us online at 614ministries.org. Also, subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you enjoy your podcast. Thanks for listening.